0: Welcome to Lessons from a Podcaster, a show where we interview podcasters from all around the world and ask them to share their tips, insights, stories, and everything you need to know to grow your own podcast. This show is brought to you by PodSqueeze, the essential tool for any podcaster that wants to take their show to the next level. Let's get started with our host, Tiago.
1: Hello, Rob. Welcome to Lessons from a Podcaster. It's great to have you here
0: my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: So a little bird just told me that uh, your first uh, solo episode uh, without a guest was actually a mistake, even though now is one of the the most uh, kind of famous uh, formats of your show. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, so we started the show in 2010 and we shipped every week, 52 weeks a year, until today, I just recorded, or I just launched episode 700 yesterday, wow. actually. Congrats, and it's amazing. Thank you. So sometime along this journey, it was probably 2016 or 17, right? So what is that, seven, eight years ago? I At the time I had a co-host, co-host was out of town, so it was up to me to get the episode ready. I had a guest booked, and the guest canceled on me last minute. I had about an hour before I had to head to the airport for an overnight flight. And if I missed the deadline, <laughs> we were going to miss Tuesday morning. So I was kind of panicked, like, what do I do? Whoa. What do you do? I don't have a guest, hmm. don't have anything. So I I had a couple topics I've been thinking about writing a blog post around. And instead of writing a blog post, I sat down in front of the microphone and I talked it through. I almost wrote the blog post verbally. And that episode, it was weird. It was really hard. It's hard at first to record an episode on your own. But it got a lot of feedback right away of like, mm. I want more episodes like this. We want more episodes of like your thoughts, not just you chatting yeah. with X Y Z person. And that has since, as you said, become one of the most popular formats of the show. I call them Rob Solo Adventures. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you do you normally script your shows, uh, or you just like
0: nope. go and it's bullets? Talk? Just bullets. Yeah, you bullet points, I've been doing them yeah. long enough. Yeah, that I have a topic that will sometimes just be a sentence. That mm-hmm. will turn into four or five minutes, maybe more of audio. Other times, I'll have a few more bullets than that. If I really, were, you don't know, want an example and a this mm-hmm. and that that I think about, but it, they're pretty lightly outlined. Mm-hmm.
1: So, tell us about uh, tell us about your show. So, if you could pitch, like elevator pitch, about your show, what's the name and uh, what it's about?
0: Yeah, it's called Startups for the Rest of Us, and the idea behind the name is we are not the typical startup podcast that focuses on venture capital and mm. having billion-dollar outcomes. And so it's for the rest of us who can't move to the Bay Area, to Silicon Valley, who can't work 90-hour weeks, uh, who, who want freedom and and to have good, healthy relationships. And uh, you know, I had a wife and kid applied to Y Combinator. If I'd gotten in, I really couldn't have done it. I couldn't have moved to, to yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And so the podcast is for bootstrapped uh, software founders. These days, we focus on SaaS but it's folks mm-hmm. who want to change their lives and the lives of their families by launching incredible uh, software companies.
1: Amazing. You have here a huge fan <laughs> of the show, uh, right. as well as PodSqueeze being a boot- fully bootstrapped company. I totally subscribe to that uh, ideology, if you if you will, on like bootstrapping and going chill and not going VC. So uh, it's really a pleasure as well to have you here. And so... 700 episodes, that is crazy, right? Not a lot of people uh, have reached even 100, right? And that's already a case of acceleration. 700 is a lot. So do you still remember your first episode, how everything started?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, back then, I tell you, this is a good, this is a good story for those who are considering podcasting. I had a blog that was successful. Remember when blogs were a thing? RSS readers. <laughs> so this is, I blogged pretty hard from 2005 to 2011. And in 2010, I wanted to just get a better idea of who was reading because I had 25,000 RSS subscribers, which was like Mm. pretty good and a couple thousand email subscribers. I was like, yeah, this is like, I, I can influence. I can write people. Listen, I put up a survey on my blog of like, what do you like best about the blog? What do you like the least? What's your favorite article? Just random questions about it. And several of the responses were like, I'm pretty sure I like your essays, but I kind of don't remember which are yours and which are the others as I'm scrolling through this RSS feed. And Mm -hmm. it hit me of like, I'm a commodity. I'm just just some news story or some essay they're reading among 20 others that morning and they Mm -hmm. don't remember who I am. That was when I realized podcasting, if I can be my voice in your ear for 30 minutes a week, to me it was like i think it i think that's the next level and mm-hmm. so i set out to start a podcast i had a co-host at the time for the first 400 episodes and we just started talking on the mic and it is awful you can still go back and listen to it it is i was so <laughs> nervous didn't know what to say you know it was all all the the jitters that everyone would have starting a podcast today
1: what what year was that 2010 2010 so
0: podcasting was not even a thing right it was a thing for we're about. Starting now. It was just starting. Yeah, it was. It was a thing for a couple of years. I actually thought I missed the boat a little bit, which is funny now <laughs> that you look back. I remember I was like, "There's all these entrepreneurship podcasts already. Why do you need another one?" I think we said in yeah. episode one, and we were trying to define our niche. You know, we're for bootstrappers. Mm. We're for software. Oh, It's a lot of years.
1: It's ago. funny because I feel that now podcasting, uh, as it's growing, and it's still not there, but it's it's getting close to blog right like podcasting so I, I what I feel is that there's some people that they prefer reading mm-hmm. some people there they prefer uh, listening right I am one of those that's why I love podcasting do you feel that we'll get to, to the point where there will just be too many podcasts out there uh, where people you know there'll be a, a new Rob that will be thinking oh man I have this podcast but I'm a commodity I mm-hmm. need to go back to blog is that a possibility mm-hmm.
0: I- I don't think the commo- well, it depends on if you start your podcast and you don't inject yourself into it. So that's a mistake mm. that I made for several hundred episodes. I would, it, what, what does listen- it mean? Well, like, let's say all you yourself. do is interviews. Let's mm-hmm. say all you do is interviews and the, the episodes are all about your guests and not at all about you. And people barely know who you are, what you think, your opinions on things. Yeah. Then yeah. you are a commodity because I can go to 20 other startup interview podcasts and I can listen to them and I won't remember your interview from those on Mixer G, from those on somewhere Mm. else. If you listen to, I don't do a lot of interviews. I probably interview one out of every four or five episodes, but if you Mm -hmm. listen to them, I interview and then I give my take on their story and I give sometimes advice or I give sometimes resonance. I I will share my own story of having the same experience being hacked or having a cease and desist or, you know, having my (laughs) app crash or whatever. So I am wrapped up in all the stories. And I'm not saying make every episode about you as the host because then that sucks too, right? But it's like interjecting right. yourself a bit into the into the episodes keeps you from being a commodity. You then mm-hmm. have the personality that people resonate with.
1: Right. Did you notice a shift when you first started your solo episodes in the way your audience interacted with you and all loyal they were to you?
0: I did. I noticed it then. And the other thing I noticed was a good friend of mine, Dan Andrews, he hosts the Tropical MBA podcast. This was probably back in 2018. So it was about six years ago now. I was already doing solo episodes then, but he said, you're doing interviews, you're a good interviewer, things are going great. You know what I want more from your show, Rob? I want more of you in it. I come to the Mm -hmm. show to hear Rob Walling's thoughts on these topics. And that was a big, because I was trying to stay in the background and not like... Uh-huh. But he that he he showed me like that's it's your show, and you need to be present and that was a big that was a the second shift first shift was solo episodes, second shift mm-hmm. was Dan Andrews telling me be more yeah. opinionated and comment more on whatever's happening in your episodes uh,
1: interesting, but why do you think that like one of the biggest most known podcasts is Joe Rogan's podcast, right, which is all interviews. do you think he is a commodity, or do you think he was no. able? No, or Lex Friedman and so on.
0: Watch watch his show. He's not asking a question and sitting back. He's telling right. stories. He's interjecting. He's making comments. It is a conversation rather than an interview. There is a mm-hmm. big difference, you know? Yeah,
1: okay. That, that Now I understand it. So don't just go there and just ask question after question after question. Try to also give a little bit of time for yourself, even if you have a guest and speak and, and give your you know quirks and and funny and humor and thoughts and and bring that into the into the show
0: that's how i think yeah. about it that's not easy to do it, it, you know i don't want to act like you can everybody can just do that i couldn't have done it for the first at least couple years of the show and i had to learn to do it mm. by doing it wrong a lot by editing a lot The first, after my co-host left and I was solo and I had to figure it out again, I would comb through. I don't edit them myself. I have an editor, but I would comb Mm -hmm. through and give him, he'd do a first pass edit and then I'd listen back and I'd say, this whole six minutes is not good and cut it out. Mm -hmm. And I was like editing it like an NPR show almost to just cut it to the bone. I don't do that anymore because the more I did that, the more I learned how to get the episode right from the start and not have to edit so heavily. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's also the beauty of doing solo episodes you have much more control right when you're yeah. interviewing someone I, I get at least for me there's a lot of more cuts and editing that one needs to do right Usually yeah Mhm um, what is the size of your show at the moment uh, Is this like your your full-time job can you can you monetize it what is the size Tell us about Yeah
0: this. so it is not my full-time job but it is part of my full-time job so mm-hmm. I run Tiny Seed, which is uh, a -hmm. SaaS accelerator for for SaaS bootstrappers where we invest and mentor um, 50 companies a year there. And then I run MicroConf, which is the original community for bootstrap SaaS founders. Mm -hmm. MicroConf sprang out of the podcast, to be honest. We started the podcast in 2010 and the audience started building. It was six hundred people. It was not a lot of subscribers. After a year, we had six hundred. I was like, Whoa, this is not not a good yeah. use of my time. It has since become a good use of my time. But we we then said, let's all get together in a room. And that's what MicroConf started. So mm-hmm. uh I kind of split my time between MicroConf Tiny Seed and Startups for the rest of us is like the glue that holds that holds it all right. together. You know, so it so is definitely mo- a part time thing.
1: Do you monetize the podcast or is it just a way for you to attract more it's leads a, and then to a,
0: it's a way to bring people into our ecosystem for sure. We offer a ton of free stuff that people can come in and consume. We okay. have started taking sponsors about a year, year and a half ago. So we do monetize it now. I we are the podcast itself, I would say, is profitable. I ran it for at a loss for the first 12 years. <laughs> and then I believe it became profitable last year and this year it's profitable or will it will make some money but it's not cool. like i could make, yeah. I, I couldn't make a full time income and to, there's tens of thousands of listeners it always depends on which wow. analytics you look at but yeah we're not we're not at 100,000 but we're in the tens of thousands of weekly wow. weekly listeners it's
1: amazing it's really cool uh, what is your production stack like from from idea yep. to publishing it what tools do you use what do you recommend for people that want to kind of follow your steps
0: yep yeah. And I would say don't get into the kind of cult of a cult of gear of be like, oh, well, if I use what Rob yeah. does and I'm gonna be successful, it's like it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. The first seven years I used this crappy headset to record it yeah. and you can go back and hear it. It was fine. We we still had tens of thousands of listeners. You know what I mean? It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, but I will say the stack usually starts with like, uh, I'll come up with an idea, or someone I want to interview. The ideas are things that I'm coming up with as I'm listening to audiobooks, podcasts, reading, thinking, and I throw them all into a Trello board. Um, I also ask for listener questions. I answer a lot of those. So all that Mm -hmm. comes in, I'll sit down and say, what have I not done in a while? You know, What episode format haven't I done in a month or two? And then I'll just come up with it and say, all right, here's all my ideas. I'll just pick one and, and riff on it. The tools I use to record, we use Riverside and um then we this microphone is a Audio Technics, uh, Technica Audio Technica ATR2100X it's like a 60 70 dollar microphone it's not expensive
1: so you're not using the Rode that everyone uses you know the or the, no, Shure, I mean, the Rode I, Rode sure
0: I mean which, but I totally actually. would I would yeah. I thought about it but I this mic works great and my editor yeah, knows why. how to tweak it he's an audio engineer that works in music and he he knows exactly the signal coming out of this and he knows how to mm-hmm. EQ it to sound okay. the way we want it to sound. So if I switched microphones, he would just have to do that again. There's just no reason to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cool. But those mics are great. Sure. I mean, I'm I am I have been in several bands and we use sure SM58s all the time. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't I just don't think that matters that much, you know. Mm-hmm. Just get it, no, get a totally, USB yeah. mic, it's easy. You plug it in. From there. Um, we host the files in Dropbox and then we Mm. used to just have a Google doc and we would literally email the engineer and say, Hey, this is ready. Go grab the files. Then we moved to notion, which was fine. It was like a Trello thing. And then Mm. but that's fine too. Whatever you use is okay. You know, (laughs) I, I mean, I, we shipped 400 episodes in a Google, just using a Google doc. So that's fine. Our, my producer last year built uh, a full production system kind of management system in uh, Airtable, Mm. So that is now. Okay. That's that's not what we use, and uh, so you and just I, record
1: it. You you put the files there and in a Airtable somehow in Dropbox. Yep, and then, and then it in, initiates it, a whole yeah, process it, of right
0: in Airtable. There's just a status of the episode. You know, I have to create the episode. It's titled this. It's episode seven hundred two, and then I just say ready to edit. Poof, it goes out of my queue. It emails the engineer or the I'm sorry, the editor. And he takes it from there. Then he sends it back for approval. I get notified. I log into the air table. Wow. Yeah, that, So it's like uh, a full system now, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but again, I don't want people to think that's what they need to ship a podcast. You oh, don't. yeah, no, no, no. You don't need that Definitely. at all. Yeah, But and it's still it's, exciting, though. As a, as a bootstrapper myself, as
1: someone that uh, doesn't want a big team, just having everything automated like this gives me, yep. you know, uh, yeah. it's really cool. So, really and nice. then what about like the, the repurposing? Do you, do you use PotsCuisine in any way to repurpose the content and... Uh, what, what, uh, social media do you use to actually grow, uh, the podcast?
0: Yeah, we use, so we, we do use pod squeeze. I actually have a a quote from uh, my assistant producer, Dan. He says, we tried a bunch of, of, um, tools for this, for podcast AI type stuff. And he said, pod squeezes, show notes have been the best. I usually shorten, but there are times when I'm able to lift full sentences and sections. So. That's, that's what we use a lot for show notes, summaries. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we're researching guests, we will go to a podcast that they've been on. We'll use pod squeeze to summarize it. Then we can skim through it without having to listen to the full show. So
1: that is smart. Never heard any of our customers doing that. That's, that's a great idea. Yeah.
0: And then social media you asked about, we, Mm -hmm. um, we just take a little 90 second video clip. We put it on Twitter. That's our place because that's mm. where everybody is for us.
1: Yeah, indie indie makers and bootstrappers. Yeah, are all exactly. on Twitter. It's, it's, it's the great, yep. best place. Um, I'm uh, interested in, in knowing kind of shifting gears a little bit and back to the podcast. Do you have any some like interesting story or events that you would like to share about uh, in your podcast, something, happened, uh, something funny that happened to you?
0: Yeah, probably the episode, I had the most trouble recording. It was one of the very first episodes after my co-host left. And I wanted I wanted all of them to be perfect because I wanted to retain the audience mm-hmm. and wanted to build it and change the format of the podcast and make it great. And so at my recording time, I learned like the day before that I had to bring one of my kids to some appointment 30 minutes out. And I was like, this sucks. So I brought my mm-hmm. kid there. I went to this coffee shop that I knew was quiet sat down I told I said guys I'm going to have to record this podcast apologies. so I sit down internet's fast everything's fine everything's quiet which is just crazy to think that that's actually going to yeah. work <laughs> and the fire alarm goes off oh and and I'm sitting there and it's like times ticking down and it's like 5 minutes until I start 4 minutes until I start 3 minutes and I was like this is unbelievable oh. so I gathered With all a, my so stuff it was an interview it was an interview or a solo? it was an oh, interview okay okay yep and so I couldn't move it so I took My whole setup, I jumped in my, I was in my wife's car for some reason. I don't know why, but I set it up. I tether to my hotspot on my iPhone and I hop into, you know, whatever Zencaster. I think at the time maybe we were using Squadcast and I just record the interview from her car. And it is, it was, I was so stressed, but listening back, (laughs) it's a really good episode. Like it didn't Mm. matter. No one else noticed. I say in the intro, like, I'm recording from a car, blah, blah, blah. But like if I hadn't said that, you wouldn't have noticed, but it's what the show must go on. Right. That's what we yeah. have. That's what I have to do. I ship every Tuesday for 14 mm-hmm. years. I'm not going to miss a day.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't you have like a backlog of episodes pre-recorded?
0: Nope. Almost <laughs> never. That's crazy. Nope. I usually, our production schedule is I record two weeks ahead of the production date that gives editor okay. time and then our video editors time. So I have to prove it. And then the video editors take the segment for Twitter and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost, I mean, at most, I'll have one episode backlogged. Mm-hmm.
1: What are the, the must have questions? The questions that you always, almost always ask. And how do you extract the most out of uh, each guest so that you create really unique, amazing content?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So it took me a long time to learn this. I either interview startup founders who are telling a story of their journey. Mm -hmm. or I'm interviewing a subject matter expert, so like a copywriter, or someone who knows a lot about raising funding, right? Or knows a lot Mm -hmm. about marketing, just whatever. So with startup founders, it's a story. How do you get them to tell the most interesting parts of the story? The most interesting parts are usually the highs and the lows. It's usually the huge victories and the huge defeats. And so I ask them in advance, if I can, I might say put together a bulleted list of just your timeline, What happened when? What was interesting? When did you launch? How did you get here? Blah, blah, blah. And so once I see their timeline, I know Mm -hmm. which points I want to touch on, usually. I will also ask them, what are the highs and lows that we should cover? I'll get their input on it, right? And then I will ask them questions just to get them to say that. I usually know the story we're telling before I ask the questions, you know? Right. And okay. so, and if it's subject matter experts, that's usually actually easier. Cause then I'm kind of like, ah, eh, could you just throw an outline together? Not an outline per se, but like, let's, let's talk about the five things that everybody makes mistakes on a copywriting, okay. you know, or what are the five tips everybody should know or whatever. So, but it so is, this is, it quite, is quite a big
1: preparation. There's a, uh, how it's many less, hours would you put before,
0: uh, you know, each an interview. It's, it's less than you think. So probably like I, the last 10 interviews I've done have probably been 15 minutes of prep. For me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I yeah.
1: Would imagine a few hours actually. Yeah.
0: No, 15, 20 minutes. It's mm. basically reading through their bullets if they put them together for me. Sometimes we did, I don't have the luxury of them putting bullets together. So I'll, our, our interview is about 30 minutes, but I'll do a 75 minute session. And the first mm. 20 minutes is me just asking them, well, not recorded, asking them this questions I just told you. You know, what was the most interesting part? When did you have your first customer? How'd you get mm. here? When was the biggest failure? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm okay. taking notes. Then I know I want them to say, I highlight the most interesting parts of their story and I just skip through because in Mm -hmm. 30 minutes, man, I mean, you know, it goes fast. You can't tell 20 stories in 30 minutes. You can tell like four or five. So you just have to do the best. It's also important to know,
1: yeah, important to know how to let go, right? Sometimes I feel that, okay, this person, they also have a podcast around that, by the way, like bootstrapping. They, he started or she started 10 different companies. I cannot speak about everything, right? No. So it's all about letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Great. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of knowledge that you shared here, which is really cool. Is there any like a podcaster or influencer, someone that you follow and to try to mimic that you learn a lot with, uh, for your, for
0: your own podcast? Hmm. That's interesting. You know, I really like, I do like NPR shows and Gimlet media Mm -hmm. shows that are heavily edited. They're, they're very right expensive there. to produce. Yeah, it was very expensive to that produce. Sounds, but but yeah. I did I do one season a year uh, on my show called Tiny Seed Tales, and I take one of my mm. founders that I've invested in, and I record an episode
1: every oh, month or cool.
0: two. And I I so I'll have like ten episodes recorded over the course of a year, and then we edit. We really edit them tight. We do voiceovers. We do music like startup, and we edit it into a season. We release it all within the month. Oh, it's so like cool. ten episodes. So. That's kind of fun. Everything else, I think I've learned. um, Man, I'm trying to even think. I mean, Andrew Warner on Mixer G was a pretty good interviewer. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So you just go
1: there, you listen to them, and you take notes and think. Okay, I need to do that also with my pod.
0: Yeah, I think I also am pretty. Since I listen to a lot of podcasts, I think to be a good writer, you need to read a lot of other people's stuff to figure out what you like and don't like. And I think to be a good podcaster, it probably helps to hear a lot of podcasts to know. I don't like that, and I do like this, and to develop your mm-hmm. own taste. I'm pretty opinionated about the podcast I will and won't listen to, and I try to craft my podcast to be one that I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens, sometimes my taste is not what everyone else is, right? I yeah. could put out a podcast with 50 listeners because it was it's just so off the wall. It just so happens my taste aligns with enough other people that mm-hmm. I've been able to grow it.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. As a last question, if someone uh, wants to grow their podcast and you could only give, let's say, three tips, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What Mm -hmm. tips would you give?
0: I mean, look, this is from my experience growing effectively one podcast. So I'll say what I've done. Uh, Hopefully Mm -hmm. it's applicable. One is ship every week or every whatever, every Mm -hmm. twice a week, three times, whatever you want to do. But ship every week, be reliable. That's probably Mm -hmm. the number one thing that I don't see people doing. Our growth, my growth of this show has snowballed over the course every year. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because I show up every week and I don't stop. So that's the first tip. Second tip, it's interesting. It's do stuff that's not podcasting that builds an audience. So I write books. I have a YouTube channel, microconf.com slash YouTube. Those things, those two things have done way more to grow the podcast audience than the podcast has done for itself. Yeah. So it's the YouTube channel sends people to the podcast. The book sends people to the podcast because I mention it, you know, in the back. So do things that whether you're a writer or, you know, if you're a blogger or whatever, you just tie it in, right? Mm -hmm. If you're on Twitter and you have a big following, like, Hey, my podcast, Hey, this and that. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So you, you, on Twitter, you, you mention your podcast or you just put it in your bio? uh,
0: Both. It's in my bio, but also every week, every Tuesday morning, a little video clip of that week's episode comes out. Okay. It right. gets tweeted by Startups Pod, which is mm-hmm. my Twitter account, their Twitter account. Yeah, the, it's the podcast Twitter account. And then I retweet it as me usually. And I make a comment like, ooh, this was a fun episode. Or man, this episode right. turned out not great. Mm-hmm. You should listen to this part. Where <laughs> I totally screwed this up. I had a spicy take here. So those are probably my top two tips. Like, okay. I think that, I mean, the third one is make a great podcast that stands out. Like don't, if you make mm-hmm. a commodity, you will be a commodity. So how how totally. every week that I sit down I think, how can I record an episode this week that they couldn't hear anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? They couldn't go to any other show and hear this Make episode, how can I be different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have like nine or 10 show formats. I have Rob Solo, I have listener questions, I have interviews, I have Hot Take Tuesday, which is a group, me and two others doing news uh, roundup. I have, I don't know, others I could keep going. I'd have to, oh, I have mentor sessions where I'll mentor a founder. I have, you know, on and on and on. So I think I have like eight different show formats. Very few others do, but it keeps variety and it's different. And so I'm not saying you have to do what I'm doing, but that's how I've gotten to that, you know, to yeah, that place yeah. of being unique in our space. Cause there's a lot, as you know, there's yeah. a lot of bootstrapper podcasts.
1: Totally. And I think as a fourth tip, taking from what you just said, be passionate about the topic, right? Because you you're go. doing this for it's 700 go. episodes and you yep. you still, I don't know you feel as talking with you, you feel as passionate as the episode number one, doing oh, different yeah. things. So be passionate about the topic and, you know, in the end, it's not only about as well the audience, it's all about you being more into the topic, interviewing, networking, meeting cool people around that. Rob, where can we find you again? Say again the name of the podcast and your socials.
0: Startups for the rest of us. It's served anywhere greater podcasts are available. And on social, I'm at Rob Walling on Twitter.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks.
0: This podcast is brought to you by PodSqueeze, an essential tool for podcasters that creates show notes, timestamps, clips, and more. Visit PodSqueeze.com and use the code PODCASTER for 20% discount in the first three months. We release a new episode every Tuesday and Thursday. See you in the next episode of Lessons from a Podcaster.